Everyone knows that there is a ticking time bomb on college search name buys. As test optional becomes the norm in college admissions, the quantity of students taking the SAT and ACT will continue to diminish year over year. Furthermore, the ROI of purchase names has dramatically decreased in recent years. Most schools are lucky to see a 0.1% of the student names they buy actually become students at their institution. Today's sponsor is poised to disrupt this entire industry. Meet Bold.org. Bold is a platform that matches your admissions team to the best right fit inquiries for your school. Every month, hundreds of thousands of students join Bold.org to apply for scholarships, build out LinkedIn-esque profiles, and get matched to the right schools for them. With over 100 data points per student available for targeting and customization, and a Netflix-like recommendation algorithm, you'll be able to connect with the right inquiries who actually want to talk to your admissions team. 50% of Bold.org inquiries are applying to their schools of interest. Try and get that CRO and ROI from any other marketing channel. I dare you. Sign up for a subscription to Bold.org and get ready to meet the students who are searching for and asking questions about you. Learn more at go.bold.org forward slash enrollify. Again, that's go.bold.org forward slash enrollify. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. Zach Buzikruz here. It's great to be back with you all this fine, fine day. So last week, we announced that we launched the Enrollify podcast network. The Enrollify podcast show has graduated from a singular show into a full-fledged network of shows, and it is now your new go-to hub for shows that will empower you to grow, optimize, adapt, and reach new heights as an enrollment marketer. And last week, we gave you a little bit of te- a little bit of teaser content around our new show, Starter Stories, and we played uh, snippets of interviews that we did with Michael Stoner, Seth O'Dell, and Diego Fanara. We hope you enjoyed those interviews, and we hope that you subscribe to Starter Stories. But this week, we're going to introduce you to our other another new show of ours called CRM Prov. CRM Prov is a free-range riff on growth through technology, and it is a bi-weekly show that re- really reveals how institutions can experience grow and manage their new technology. So this show is actually not hosted by me. And um, it is hosted by my colleague, Jamie Gleason, and our good friend who you all know and love from Fanatical Fridays, Mickey Baines. So Mickey Baines and Jamie have teamed up to produce this show. And really what it is, is it's a free range dialogue around the changes in ed tech, CRMs, vendor tutorials, insights on outcomes, industry adoption, and a heck of a lot more. So you, we're going to play the first episode of CRM Prov for you in just a second so you can get insight into whether or not this is a show that you might also be interested in subscribing to. So again, as we continue to grow and expand our network of shows, our goal is to continue to, to deliver value with our content. So we want you, we, the, the purpose of us making more shows is so that we can help 
meet more of your challenges so that we can help speak into, breathe life into, give ideas to help you do a better job in the role that you are in and or inspire you with ideas on how to maybe do something a little bit different from what you're doing now. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to CRM Prof. Well, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of CR Improv. My name is Mickey Baines. I'm one of your hosts. And with me, Jamie, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, thanks, Mickey. Uh, my name is Jamie Gleason, and uh, I'm coming to you live in the $3 million studio from uh, the great state of Pennsylvania. Um, I... Uh, well, that's who I am. That this is my voice. So you know, you can associate my voice with my name, Jamie Gleason. And and maybe one day we'll have some photos up of this big studio uh, yeah. we're talking about uh, because you know I'm Mickey Baines. I'm a principal at Kennedy and Company. I love uh, enrollment management and I love technology. And somehow I found a way to blend the two together, uh, which really I think helped spur some of the ideas for this podcast. Uh, and I'm coming to you not actually too far away from Jamie. Uh, and in what may be a cellar studio compared to what Jamie has. Uh, I, I think I've got a, a $200 studio um, equipped with $195 of a desk and chair uh, and a monitor stand. Um, and, and the rest, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, let, I think we should take a moment, Jamie, and maybe share a little bit about what we'll be doing with this podcast. Sure. Uh, what we'll be talking about. Uh, I know we've been planning this for like three months, uh, which is the longest I've planned a show that has just now started, you know, that amount of time to plan for. We can blame uh, it on the pandemic. We, we will blame it on the pandemic. Um, so CRM Prov is what it says in the title, we are going to talk about CRM in an unscripted fashion. Uh, we're going to have fun. We're going to really dive into some tough discussions. Um, we will have guests. We will not just bring on vendors to um, show you shiny products and, and give you all the positive only. We're going to talk good. We're going to talk bad. And we're going to talk with folks just like you listening, whether that means you work at one of the companies that provide um, enrollment management CRM and um, or if you work at an institution implementing or building or supporting or just as an end user for CRM to get ideas on how this can help make your life better because that's what it's supposed to do. Jamie, what do you want to throw in and add to that? Did I cover it all? No, I don't think you did. I, and I think that oh, okay. that's okay. That's okay. Good I mean, that's my, that's my part, right? I like come in and, and pick up some of the stuff that, you know, we have, Mickey and I have two different brains, so we get to think from two different lenses. Uh, like Mickey, I'm a guy who found a way to mix technology and enrollment management and marketing all together. And I think the interesting part about CRM Prov is this intricate mix of how technology impacts growth. Sometimes that's through CRM, sometimes it's through other ed tech products, sometimes it's just through like really great brain space and making time in your own world. So what we're hoping to do through the, you know, eternity that this podcast lasts uh, is to really hit on that and, and explore those pieces. Um, and hopefully, you know, my hope as a pragmatist and, a, and a, someone who's very practical is that this will actually have application to your life, that you can actually take some of what you hear 
you can think, oh, how does that apply to my scenario? How does that apply to my institution if you're in an institution? And you can draw from that and make yourself better so that you can actually experience that growth yourself. So that's a little bit about where my, my perspective lies today. Um, but hopefully that is enough to whet your appetite for what we're going to present to you uh, starting, I guess, starting now. You know, Jamie, that was a bold and big statement. That was going <laughs> to help change your life, folks. Um, I know it. we're not Brene Brown, uh, whom no. I love. I love uh, too. <laughs> I love, um, we're not going to, I, you know what, maybe we will have that impact on your life. I saw one of Brene's quotes on LinkedIn this morning. Um, actually, it wasn't hers. She was hearing a quote from someone else about change and, you know, and, and, you know, and change isn't when you're changing a habit you're not trying to eliminate a bad habit that's not successful what's successful is is you're creating change through the formulation of a new habit that is healthy and positive for you where you're getting rid of a, a bad habit you know just just sharing good positive vibes we get from Brene um, or at least I get uh, almost daily almost uh, daily yeah she's uh, she's very she's very faithful uh, and 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 it's one of the two primary people who's really uh, authors, at least who've, who've had major impact on my life. But uh, so let's, let's, let's not talk all about Brene. This is not a Brene Brown podcast. <laughs> um, although there should be a Brene Brown podcast. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, if anyone's interested, contact me. I, you know, I, I don't have time, but I will certainly find time for a Brene Brown podcast. <laughs> um, so um, CR Improv, uh, I agree, Jamie, we're going to you know, I think have a lot of good content for you in the coming few episodes. I think we're going to be uh, producing two episodes a month. Uh, our first episode um, that we're getting ready to introduce to you now, uh, I'm really excited about. It was, uh, I think, a great topic to to use for our kickoff. We, Jamie and I, debated around and around several guests that we were looking to have and trying to figure what's the right one for the first. Um, and we went big. Uh, or at least the topic itself is really big. We got, um, I think, some really interesting folks joining us. Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about who our guests are and, uh, and why, why we chose uh, these guests? Yeah, our first uh, two guests, uh, Richard Graham, who is the Director of Strategy and Director of Strategy and Communication for Enrollment Management, and Aaron Finn, who is the Senior Associate Provost for Enrollment Management at Jefferson University right here in Philadelphia. Uh, they came and to discuss really what it looked like in their implementation process over the last, uh, it's been about 24 months since that kind of got started, the conversations got going. Um, obviously, you know, as we know in this pandemic culture that we're in right now, everything is on a little bit of a delayed schedule, including the Postal Service. Um, sorry, if that was a kick below the belt, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we got to talk to them really about what their implementation has looked like, not only the process, like the actual implementation, but what were some of the thought processes that went uh, into that? And uh, what was the context of the institution that they were coming from in order to bring them to that like decision process? It's a, we had a great time talking to them earlier this week. Mickey, did I miss anything on that? I don't think so. I mean, to me, we could have just focused the conversation around their experience merging two institutions together. I mean, that in itself oh, uh, is, is a season of content. Um, and so we barely get to touch on it. But I want you, you know, that I think that is so key because, um, you know, what we should learn through this, uh, as you talk about some of the things you can learn and take away for yourself, as you were just mentioned earlier, Jamie, I, you know, hopefully what you'll hear in this, you know, is 
the extent to which they had to create change. Now, yes. some of that that I, I believe was a little easier for them um, is the change had to happen. You right. got, you know, something really major above you that's happening. Two institutions forming together, so it forced a lot of change. So you didn't, some of the decisions we have when we're building or enhancing or implementing a serum is, do we do this or not? Do we go in this direction or that direction? And it, and it sometimes create a stall because you're not sure exactly what to do. They didn't have some, you have to do this. And I think yeah. that helped um, maybe a little bit um, with, with understanding what what goes on and change, so maybe we'll stop there. I don't want to be a spoiler, be well, a yeah. spoiler here, and and just reiterate <laughs> what they're getting ready to tell you. Let's hear it from Aaron and from Richard. Uh, so let's take it away. Well, we are excited today to be joined by Richard Graham and Aaron Finn from Jefferson. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today and being our inaugural guests as we talk about technology and growth and innovation and all that goes in with that. So why don't I just pause um, and just let you kind of frame up a situation that transpired uh, with your CRM uh, in, in the last 24 months. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about Jefferson and the CRM situation at Jefferson? Sure, Jamie, thanks so much for having us on today. Um, again, my name is Erin Finn, and I oversee enrollment management at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. And um, we had a really interesting experience a couple of years ago in that Jefferson merged with Philadelphia University. So a lot of what we talk about today relative to our CRM is the outgrowth of the need to integrate two institutions. Um, I think that's really going to serve as the basis for a lot of our the impetus for our move to our current CRM, um, as well as informing a lot of the decision making around that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a phenomenal like campus wide change that then leads to a tactical change on the inside. So, mm -hmm. Richard, I understand that you have been the point man as you have kind of gone through this transition. Uh, and I'll say c congratulations on the uh, on the survival. But can you tell us a little bit about what that was like as you were inside of that? Yeah, Jamie, thanks very much for having us here. We appreciate it. Um, I am one of many point people on our team. Um, I oversee our enrollment strategy and communications team and efforts to create demand within our department. Um, for our first year transfer and graduate admissions teams. Um, but we have many, many different point people um, on this project um, related to data and operations, um, all of our admissions leads, um, our applicant experience team, which really focuses on our event and visit strategy. Um, so, I mean, it's been a group effort um, and throughout the division, as well as with our IT partners at Jefferson and also our university marketing partners. Um, it's really become quite a large group of people working on working on the implementation of the tool. And, and can you give us a little insight on how far, like what, what's the timeline that we, that, that has been traveled? Like, uh, and it doesn't have to be exact, obviously, but could you give us a, like where you are in the implementation phase and maybe when it started? Sure, yeah, we attended Launchpad, which is something Technolutions hosts for new Slate users um, in October of 2019. Um, so we started that process um, 
then. Um, and that's really when we started building out our slate lead uh, committees and our working groups um, and really starting uh, to build out different areas of the, of the tool. Um, obviously, you know, building out our application, um, our internal application was one of the first things that we focused on. Um, and then building out our communication stream um, for inquiries and applicants and different different funnel stages of the funnel. Um, so it's been quite a project. Um, we are obviously we keep saying, you know, we're at year one and we have year two and year three plans. Um, and our list of priorities and tasks are, you know, it's ever growing. Um, there's never an end point to to the implementation process. Sure. Yeah, one, well, I'm sure it's been, there's been, I mean, a few factors that have inevitably complicated the process, right? First of all, we had a global pandemic and are still in that. <laughs> Second of all, I mean, going back to the origin story, really, I'm sure there was uh, some uh, maybe hurdles and roadblocks or at the very least additional challenges as you were really bringing uh, Jefferson and Philadelphia University, which had separate CRMs all together under, you know, one. So really we're not working with two CRMs here, a transition from one to one, we're working from two to one. Um, has that provided any additional, um, challenges, uh, on the, on the internal side? Yeah, Jamie, it's interesting. You should mention that specifically because at the point of merger, knowing we had to integrate two enrollment management shops, one of the first things we did um, as part of this project was to do an audit of all of our technology systems that we use that ran our EM operations on both campuses. You might be shocked to know there were 32 of them. <laughs> um, you know, everything from, you know, the, the system that we use to integrate certain systems, the SIS system that the university used, sure. how we collect deposits. Um, you know, it was really quite a, a long list and, uh, knowing that we wanted to um, have something that met all of our needs um, in concert with aligning the shops across campuses. Um, it really gave us the opportunity, I think because it was so huge, the, mm -hmm. the task, um, it gave us the opportunity to actually go back to basics, which is what do we want to accomplish? Um, and then what is the criteria by which we'll evaluate new systems? Maybe we'll pick one that we already have um, but maybe we'll we'll bring in a, a, a better system that meets all of our current needs. Um, so it was really an interesting process, very methodical um, that led us to our current um, situation. Can you talk a little bit, Erin, about that evaluation process? What you know, what what did you put as your you know highest priorities uh, for consideration uh, in in that evaluation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we actually, we, we went through a 10-step process, um, and part of that um, was to, of course, include the criteria by which we evaluated the system, and in, I would say number one, and, you know, Richard, feel free to chime in, um, but was core functionality. We wanted to make sure that, you know, no system would be successful if it didn't um, include our, our core functionality that we needed or wanted to bring in-house, so, of course, you know, being able to fire emails. <laughs> um, we wanted to host our own application platform, things like that. Um, we also included things like, of course, cost, um, the degree to which we need it, 
um, highly technical expertise from our IS and our information systems partners at the university. The user, the end user experience, we wanted to make sure that our applicants um, were looking at something modern and easy to navigate and that our um, admissions reviewers and readers and faculty reviewers um, could easily navigate the system. So there were a lot of, um, you know, criterion by which we evaluated each candidate system. And if you had 32 systems when you first did this assessment, you know, I think Richard, you said you went live in October of 19. That's correct. Uh, and so we, it is now February of 2021, almost March. How many systems are left? Uh, well, let me clarify. I think we went live. Technically, we went live in June of 2020. Okay. We, we started. We started, started the okay. implementation process. Yep, in 2019. Uh, Richard, do you know the answer to that? I like we um, eschewed most of them. It's, yeah, it's mostly we're working mostly in Slate right now, um, and then working with our SIS, which is Banner. Um, we really are trying to stay in those two systems. Um, we obviously work with Zoom as well. Um, not everything can go through the Slate webinar platform, um, but we, you know, we really have tried to stay primarily in Slate. So it's it's very few. That is amazing. That is an absolute like, that is a unbelievable task of of reducing. And I'm sure thinking of the infrastructure of the of the university, there must be like this very clear cleansing breath of like not having to manage uh, all these, you know, a number of contracts and having it streamlined. And it, I'm sure it's also added a fair amount of, uh, you know, potentially not new functionality, but certainly a streamlined mm -hmm. functionality. But, um, you know, are there are there benefits that you're seeing even in this, you know, we're, we're not even a year into implementation. Uh, Richard, what are you seeing like as a, as some of the you know, the immediate benefits to the team and, and some of the efficiencies that have been gained? Sure, yeah. My, I mean, my team works mostly in what is called Deliver, which is the email marketing tool in Slate. Um, and we've never had a centralized email marketing tool across all of our campus locations and, and student populations. Um, so my team specifically has been able to easily build communication plans using data that's in a centralized tool um, before we, as Aaron said, we had 32 different systems. Data, as you can imagine, was all over the place. Um, so we were pulling a lot of data, um, doing a lot of manual data pools um, and loading, importing data into email systems to fire communications to students. So my team's work specifically, I mean, we're able to use forms in one location, we're able to fire emails in, in, from one location or one system. Um, so it's really streamlined our process and made the work much more efficient. And also we can be more dynamic with liquid markup and conditional logic and translation tables and snippets. Um, you know, Slate really gives us the functionality to be able to really customize our message um, using data points that are in the system. And I, I guess, Richard, I, I, I'm curious, you know, you've been live now for nine months or so, eight or nine months <clears throat> during Un, you know, unprecedented time, you know, what was the biggest challenge that the pandemic itself created in getting to the go live? Because obviously, if you went live in June, this was at the onset, 
when this slow ramp up to the realization of what this really was going to mean for um, for our nation, for the world, um, much less our day-to-day operational lives and, and what we do for work. So what, you know, as you were trying to wrap up this implementation, you know, what was the biggest challenge that came through um, at the onset of the pandemic of that? Well, two things come to mind for my area, and Aaron, please feel free to jump in on, on this too. Um, really training, um, we did all of our training remotely. There was no in-person training for Slate really at all. And what's been really great is we've been able to, you know, in the virtual world, we've been able to, to record trainings. We have a whole staff Slate portal that's been built by our data and operations team, our Slate captains. Um, and all of the teams really are contributing to that. As we develop content and develop processes, um, we're able to put it on the Slate gem portal um, for, for staff to review. But, you know, I think there's been challenges and not having that in-person component um, because it's easier sometimes just to sit down with someone and and teach them a process um, you know virtually it's hard to do that sometimes um, another thing that you know we've really run into on my my team directly is we've had three new hires within the last year um, on my team um, two of two of which have never even been to Jefferson other than to pick up their equipment on day one. Um, so, you know, really onboarding people and teaching them what, what they do in Slate <laughs> um, and, you know, how to use the different tools and function or functionality within Slate, that's been challenging. Um, we're making it work and I think it is, but it's been, again, it's that hands-on in-person training um, that really has been a challenge or that lack of training in person has been a challenge. And and you mentioned, yeah. uh, go ahead, Erin, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna add, I think, you know, going into, we, we were so um, idealistic at Launchpad and had, um, we have phenomenal project managers within our organization um, that, you know, within enrollment management that were running this project and very, you know, things were working apace, very hard, very intense, huge amounts of work, but they were going. And then when the pandemic hit, um, you know, all of that extra labor time and mental energy that we were planning on putting toward the CRM implementation, um, we had to pivot and figure out how to redesign our entire business model to meet our enrollment goals, which we did. Um, but those dual challenges, um, you know, really, you know, we would kid around sometimes that, you know, we bent, but we did not break and we have a lot to show for it. <laughs> so, so you're going through your first cycle, first full cycle, right? Um, in in yes. the system mm -hmm. now. Um, and, and you mentioned you have this plan for year one, year two, year three. What's, what's next on the agenda in terms of your continued development on the tool? What are your next set of priorities? Well, we're really getting into um, what is called cycle prep for preparing for obviously next cycle. Um, so we're really starting that process and how we've built a lot of a lot of our functionality, especially in my, for my area of deliver um, in the events module and forms as we're, you know, really thinking through what's the best way um, to utilize the documentation that we have to ease our cycle prep process and technolution provides a lot of um, assistance in that and a lot of direction how you should manage cycle prep um, we work very closely also with a third-party implementation partner who's going to 
um, walk us through cycle prep as well. Um, but that's really the next thing that's on the horizon for us is turning everything over for the next cycle. Um, larger scale projects um, include, you know, next year, you know, bringing our, hopefully we have on, you know, in-person travel again, we really need to build out the travel module, uh, it's called Voyager and Slate, so that our counselors travel can be, can be um, documented and um, we can use the tool to, to track success of travel. Um, hopefully working on our portal, um, we, have a, we have a nice portal, but it can always be better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, year two, we're really focusing on the student side and the student experience through the portal as well. Yeah, and I would just add reporting, you know, as a benchmark year, this year is a lot about making sure that we capture the data points um, so that as we move into the second cycle, we can start looking at point in time information within the same system, because we're still triangulating that a little bit. We made the strategic decision not to import a lot of historical data in favor of building out functionality. Um, it was a tough choice, but um, we're looking forward to in year two, being able to um, increase our analytic uh, analytic ability within the, the system. So was that based on time crunch, that decision uh, on functionality over uh, historical data? It was based on time crunch and also the fact that because we were not just transitioning from one system to another, we were transitioning from two systems. Correct, um, yes. It really increased the level of complexity. So. Um, we're, we're pleased with the decision, even though every once in a while we're like, darn, we wish we had <laughs> this one data point right now. And um, so, so you are, are you looking to migrate still um, that historical data over at some point? Or are you going to put it into uh, a, another central repository? Mm -hmm. what, are, what are the plans? Yeah, we're still thinking through that right now. Um, you know, we really truly are very focused on on building out the functionality and, you know, we have a lot of hacks as as we call them um, to get to the data that we need. So right now they're in their legacy systems and we can access them. Um, and as long as that's true, but um, to tell you the truth, we haven't really um, made any concrete decisions on that. Yeah. Okay. So, so 2020 was really ground zero in terms of like starting a brand new data set, well, which I think there's some exciting parts about that, right? There's something that's that's very interesting. I can also understand why year two becomes uh, uh, of critical importance as you start thinking about benchmarks. As we wrap up, I think one of the things that we want to, you know, is I think an age old question, but if you had to do this all over again, I'm guessing the answer would be yes. And certainly the the time frame of the you know increased digital efficiency this year was probably of among the best years to do that. Um, but what what advice would you give to enrollment leaders who are thinking about transitioning from you know Salesforce to Slate or uh, just one CRM to another? What are the things that you would encourage them to really uh, dig into and think about as they as they enter into this consideration set? Yeah, well, I'll jump in by saying I think that um, they really need to have a true understanding of their needs. Um, it's probably an obvious thing, but, um, you know, and not just making assumptions on that front, but really talking to the staff um, about um, what their best case scenario looks like, because it's a golden opportunity and you wouldn't want to squander it. Um, the other thing, you know, that I would mention that has been a huge help, uh, we have incredible internal talent. 
Uh, we've also been aided tremendously by a third party implementation partner. And that was one of the best decisions and investments we've made, um, you know, because I think we've done more in year one than they have expected. And mm -hmm. I think it's truly because of the combination of the internal talent and the partnership. But Richard, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree 100% on those two points. Um, I also think, you know, definitely having a change management plan in place um, that the staff have buy-in on, especially the senior leaders of the staff, so they can um, lead their teams. Um, I think, you know, as long, it really is, everyone needs to have that buy-in. And um, it's, this is a very large project, um, very, and there's a lot of moving parts to it. So I think, you know, having that change management mindset, especially, you know, from the top down to all of the teams um, is, is really helpful. Um, and also just understanding the amount of time um, and human resources that it takes to get these things off the ground. Um, I don't think, um, you know, it's not always 100% clear how many hours in a day it's going to take um, to do certain things when you're first getting into it. So always overestimate how much time it's going to take. Um, so you're able to hit those goals. Yeah, those are those are good pieces of advice. And I think, uh, well, I just want to congratulate the two of you on not only um, bending and not breaking, as you said, Aaron, but really taking on a Herculean effort uh, during a year that's very difficult. Um, I'm sure that the results are going to be seen uh, in the years to come and, and maybe even this year. So that's a, an exciting time for you. And I appreciate your your feedback and your candor and uh, just thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Well, thanks for having us. Especially to be our, our inaugural guests, uh, you know, I, I, uh, and, and I can just reiterate what Jamie said, this is a, a great story um, with with interesting and intriguing, you know, dynamics to it. Um, pandemic aside, just the merger component here um, and to come from multiple systems and, and, and hearing, you know, something along the lines of 32 different systems. That's, um, it's amazing. It's a lot and it's challenging and it can be overwhelming for so many different uh, institutions that, that are in similar uh, situations, not necessarily from the merger standpoint, but just from this large quantity of tools and to uh, go through the process and uh, and really, I guess, develop a process through which you go through and then figure out, you know, what's truly needed, what's not, and how do we sunset some of these things uh, as we bring on a new technology and to and to take two different CRMs that you're putting into one. Um, those are all significant, complex things to do. Um, and for you to have done that um, and, and done that with relative speed um, is, is an amazing feat. So congratulations on all this hard work. Um, and I'm really excited to see where you're able to go in the future. I, th I think we should plan already the uh, the next version, the next visit to really evaluate like what year two looks like and, and really go to the next level. So we'll, we'll keep our ear to the ground when it comes to uh, to the future at Jefferson. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. So Jamie, what did you think about Aaron and Richard? Did they deliver on your expectations? Oh, Aaron and Richard always deliver on my expectations. Uh, having worked with them in the past uh, as at my previous role at Capture Higher Ed, um, they are a couple of great thinkers. And the things that stuck out to me the most, really, Mickey, are the, just the sheer mass of, of platforms and products that they were using. And, and really, like knowing Aaron and knowing the, 
just the, the attention to detail that she brings to the table, the ability to do that assessment and go from two separate CRMs into a third different CRM, I think these are some critical things. I can't imagine what that, that process would look like. You know, and if you, you, and I won't spill too much into like, into it, but like the programmatic differentiation between the two institutions when they came together was very different, the outreach mechanism. So like this CRM implementation and that assessment was, I mean, that was a big deal. Um, a, a lot of work, a lot of, uh, a lot of man hours, I'm sure have gone into it, but I've, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, even from hearing Richard that there is, you know, a lot of efficiencies that they're getting out of it. I'm sure that there's a lot of just the, the word that pops to me is streamline. Like they've been able to streamline a lot of things um, and really to, to, you know, to their benefit. So how about you? What was, uh, what was something that you, that you took away? So uh, I took several things away, uh, but I, you know, before, uh, as we queued them up, I mentioned, we were talking a little about um, change and, and they had that impetus for change it kind of forced and i would say a second potential i think uh, accelerator because when you think about all that had to be come together because this isn't just um 32 different pieces of technology that are streamlining down into a much smaller number taking two different crms and putting in and taking two different business operations putting in you know it's not just that we had the pandemic you know the four-letter word we we've been talking about for so long now um Maybe a little more than four, <laughs> but I'm calling it a four-letter word. But, but that's okay. And so I think to an extent that could have helped because that was just you know it's pedal to the metal. We do not have time to slow down, and that was across the board for everybody. Yeah. And so they didn't have an opportunity to slow this down. They had to keep forging ahead. Sure. Uh, and I think that that could have potentially played a factor into ensuring that they did it at this speed because that's that that's really my point. Is the, one of the key things that stands out to me is they did this really fast um, to pull all this together. Um, and then the other one, the other thing that kind of stands to me is, you know, as we help clients uh, select or implement CRM, you know, we look at it from, from three, I call it three different concurrent tracks that have to go along together if you're putting something new like a CRM in place, whether you have one already or not, um, when you're doing this, there's the people track, uh, thinking about the change management and how to keep people open to being able to be creative and not trying to stick with the one thing or two things they know in their head. How do we get outside of that? Then there's the process because if you're doing this right and you're upgrading or getting your first year, that's a whole new set of business processes you can now create mm-hmm. as you're implementing a CRM. A lot of automations and different ways and more efficient and effective ways to do things are being there. So there's that piece. And then there's a the technology piece. To me, the of the three, uh, and there are going to be some of you that will listen that will disagree, that's the easiest part if you get the people in the process right. Oh, Ideas yeah. are spinning, people are engaged, they want to be a part and contribute and help, and you're creating new processes that need to be built in. And if you don't yeah. get the first two right, it's difficult for the people that are responsible for putting the technology in place. Um, but to know, but but to take that, what for us is an implementation, but for them was two institutions, all the business processes trying to come together and figure out what the right ones were. Uh, right. I think they did. They've done a phenomenal job to um, get their act together, do it quickly, uh, and with this, you know, just the substance and the amount of change they have. And thirty-two pieces of technology is just <laughs> unreal. And 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 I, I would love to say that's unique. 
Oh, I know. Um, you know, Stop. we do all these audits for clients <laughs> and we see this all the time. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily 32. Right. But you might see an, an emissions team using 18 to 20. And realistically, sure. three of them are key to what they do and the others um, play a small role. Right. And or and or and are or are not being used a little bit or not at all, right. uh, but are still being paid for. Uh, let's sure. be clear about that. And so they're uh, taking that time to look at what are all of the components that you have in place, at least from a technology perspective, to bring together your plan is, is uh, I think, an important step. You know, there's so many point solutions out there. And in fact, I read an article over the weekend. It was talking about CRM is outdated technology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all of the social selling technology that's really emerging that make the CRM powerful today. So right. uh I was a little, I don't know if I was offended by that. I was taken <laughs> aback by it. Um, but to an extent, it can be. There's right. some truth you, in that, right? Yeah, I you, mean, there's. You have a CRM and you're using it as a database to store information. Yeah. Um, then you have outdated technology. Right. Um, and if you're not following what your CRM provides in enhancements and additional features, then you, you're, you have out, you're using outdated technology and you're falling behind your competitors, which right. is one of the reasons you and I came together for this podcast. Yeah, right. And I think, you know, the, the, the thing that always stands out to me, and this has happened, you know, through my 15 years in higher ed, I've seen this happen time and time again. A school will be very excited about getting a new CRM and they'll, you know, go gangbusters for like a year or two to start building their comp flows and building all these triggers and timing and all that stuff. And then they just kind of let it set sail. Right. They kind of let they set it out to see. And it's like, okay, well, the CRM's all set. And it's like the CRM is a living thing that constantly, you know, I'd love to hear maybe in a future show, like what that assessment process that you go through with your with your clients to figure out like, hey, how do we audit like these pieces of these tools that are kind of feeding into the the data, the data points and, and different parts and pieces that make your CRM more lively and robust? Because I think that's the part that we want to that's the part of the mind, you know, that, that, that I want to spark in our listeners to say, Hey, you know, what are we doing? That's like maybe not enough or that we haven't, you know, we haven't audited like our budget to say, Hey, how many of these, these pieces are, um, it's not that they're, you said it well, it's like, it's not that things are not useful, but, but are they, is there a way to do it in your CRM so that you do have that streamlined platform so that you're bringing things into a kind of a single, a single stream. And, that, and that's idealistic. I know single stream is, is idealistic. It doesn't work for recycling. It won't work for a CRM. But, um, but there is this part where it's like, how many of these things can be, how can, how can we best leverage the other tools that we have? How do we maximize our budget? How do we do the, you know, this and that? And it's, again, constantly, it's like working out, right? You can't just do it every five years. You've got to do it like Every, every few months, every few weeks, obviously working out, you got to do more than that. But now I lost my analogy at that point. It's gone. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, I can, I'll, I, maybe see if I, I'm good with analogies. Okay. And I can almost take any analogy. It's a challenge <laughs> um, on future episodes. Feel free to throw out a random analogy and, and ask me. So, you know, but if you're looking at, say, working out, you know, you have an idea of what it is you're working out for. Is it your whole body? Is it your chest and arms? You know, that you have, and you've got this end point of what it is in your mind that you're doing this for right and as you and then you're either on your own through a class with people with you and a trainer or just an individual personal trainer you're putting together a plan a routine that works those areas of the body that are part of the end result to get you there Uh, and that's 
the key is that is that plan and the end result. You can't really have a plan if you don't know the end of the result, the end result. And so, and I, I agree, we should bring this uh, as an episode and talk about what it is to assess technology. Yeah. But what I really want to to be sure we hit home now and then when we do this is the endpoint. What is the vision? Um, and the vision is just technology because technology, for the sake of technology, doesn't work. It's there to support. Right. Other goals and strategies you have. And yeah. so we like to look at this. What is it that this is going to do for you? What are you, what are you trying to do? And then let's figure out what, what the steps are in that and then how technology supports it. Yeah. And then we know what types of technologies we need because there are a lot of bells and whistles out there from oh. tools with a lot of them or what we call point solutions that mm -hmm. have um, a few bells and whistles, but they're big and they're shiny and they're loud and, and they sound really cool. Um, you know, what is it you really need for that? And once you put all of that together, you know, does it then really give you that support? Um, and that's, in a nutshell, what we do, and we'll maybe in a few episodes we'll extend on that. It's, it's a shame we're. I can tell. I know when we're launching this podcast. I know we're recording this now, and I know it'll be a couple weeks before it's out. Today is Thursday. Later this afternoon, we actually have a webinar uh, about our CRM audit process. So, um, so unfortunately, I can't tell all of our listeners to <laughs> dial into that webinar. Uh, so, but that's definitely a future episode. I know we're working with several other guests, Jamie. That you're talking with some folks at schools. Uh, in fact, I just had someone come to my mind, um, one of our um, prospective clients that I think has a good story to tell that might be a good episode as well. So we have a lot of great episodes coming up. Um, Jamie, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are that I'm really excited to get this off the ground. And I can tell just by how we've been talking right now that Mickey, you and I are going to rev each other up and get moving. And, and this is going to be exciting. Um, I'm excited for what's in front of Jefferson and the work that they've done. Uh, and, you know, uh, and really kind of that they said, you know, they're starting from scratch with their data. Uh, they're going to be able to kind of learn this all over again and have a fresh set. And, and, and while there, there's parts of that that are extraordinarily scary, I think that we all can relate to that fresh set that we're kind of like, we're, we're looking at this, this light of the end of, at the end of this pandemic tunnel that we've been that we've been facing and we're kind of like, you know, moving on to that. So, and I'm I, honestly, I, even though I've mentioned it three specific times in this, in this, uh, in my talking, I am ready to not talk about the pandemic anymore. I, the what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the well, thank you. word that you called for. Yes, that four letter <laughs> word. Uh, well, thank you to everyone uh, listening to this first episode. Uh, thank you to Aaron and Richard. Um, Everyone remember, Jefferson University, you heard them here first. You're going to hear them elsewhere later. Um, but we really, Jamie, uh, knew them well enough to say, hey, let's get them in to talk about their story because it's going to be one that gets shared. Um, so thank, thank you to both of them. Jamie, this was a great first episode. I'm really looking forward to what we have in store. Everyone, uh, subscribe. Um, you pick your favorite uh, podcast distributor. Um, Odds are we're there. Um, you're listening to us now on that one. Uh, subscribe to us. Be sure you get those delivered to your inbox so you know every two weeks when we have uh, a new episode launched. Um, I'm excited for what's to come. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management, and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, 
Or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.